this was my lullaby <laughs> to my <laughs> like three or four month old daughter because I was delirious and I could not think of a lyric to any other song than this one. <laughs> Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Sliwa. And before we get to this question about uh, the Clippers and whether or not they can make this big four actually work, two things. First of all, Emily sent us in our group text a photo of the multiple polo look. That is the stupidest looking thing I've ever seen. It's like a picture of a teenage <laughs> boy. Minus. He's in front of a Scarface poster that he's really trying to make himself look cool and it's not working. <laughs> he's got like a light blue polo shirt over a light Yellow green polo one? shirt. Or is that green? Okay. Over a white polo shirt. No, there's, there's you missing one. There's a light blue with the green. <laughs> oh, you're right. That is a, like and a they, blue one. And they're all from Hollister. And yeah, this kid looks Hollister. like an idiot. You have to because... buy like multiple sizes. Emily, did you know this kid? Was this like someone no. you knew? <laughs> I just Googled like polo layering in the 2000s on uh, Google. And this is what came to me. But yeah, the, people would do this. And it's also like kind of a status symbol because they were not cheap polos. So like, you, oh, you can have so many that like, you know, you're so rich. You can have so many of these. Anyway, you're rich enough to look deal. stupid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this kid looks like Jim Irsay would wear them. Jim Ir- <laughs> Well, you know, here's the problem, though. If you wear four polos, everybody then knows you're a rich white billionaire, and that's when you get pulled over. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly you become you, a target for the police uh, when you got you your four drive polos under the influence on. of prescription medicines anymore because you're prejudiced against. <laughs> I know. I mean, but this, but the blaring of the polos, I'm sure, was just a an East Coast thing, which is why uh, people might not know about it. But that, and also to, to go to Hollister and get a shirt that said Hollister on it was a big deal as well. There you have it. I've never liked wearing clothing that like where like the the style thing was telling everybody where you got the clothing. Like I've always had like an a real an aversion to wearing stuff with like the name of the store like on it. Prada because you wear Prada head to toe every day, so you right. wear Prada across your chest every day. I don't like to advertise that, but like you know, like Gap Forever wore like that was always like the staple of their their like offerings was the T shirt that just says Gap. You never liked that. It's basically a vanity plate. Of yes. clothing. Like, you know, when you when you have a vanity plate that says, you know, says like rich doctor. Right. And you want to make sure everybody know or like why that truck- is right. I did get this shirt at the gap. Thank you for asking. <laughs> like your BMW <laughs> license plate is like Beamer. I hate J- that guy. Yeah. Nobody likes that guy. That guy's rich. That guy is a rich white billionaire. Jim. That Rose guy say. is somebody who wore four collared shirts in high school. Absolutely. And real, thought he was cool. Real quick, Emily, before we get to the Clippers, another memory jar moment. Okay. Let me let me open this. I have it has, it has Foley sounds along with it <laughs> that I can Please. get it open. All right, let's see what this one has in store. Um, Charlotte and Mimi and Sarah Catherine came over for dinner, and this is on February twenty eighth. <laughs> what you guys so have for it? dinner? I didn't write it down. So just that's, that's it. That's it. You guys put me in the spot. Do, Sarah, do you still talk to them? Sarah Catherine. I do still talk to Sarah Catherine, Mimi, and Charlotte. They all sound like those are old lady names. Um, <laughs> what do they do for a living? <laughs> um, Sarah Catherine works for the uh, A and E network, and then Mimi is an actress, and Charlotte is a social worker. Uh, um. Uh, yes, put me the spot. If you were to All rank them, them <laughs> which ones? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Sarah, Sarah came over to my house and helped me make name tags, and we watched The Office. And the name tags... <laughs> <laughs> Again, these are such lame memories. I was so lame. <laughs> this is why boys aren't coming over. <laughs> but this Sarah is the Sarah that my sister is visiting in Italy. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. What so, were the name tags for? Uh, name tags were probably we were both in like the student council, so it's probably for some sort of like volunteer student council mm, event. Okay. Again, I was not cool. Is that something you just <laughs> couldn't handle on your own? The making of the name well, tags. It, it was probably a lot of name tags, okay. and I was not the president. She was vice president, maybe. Okay. I can't remember exactly. So she was yeah, really in charge. The jobs trickled right <laughs> from the president. <laughs> yeah. So. I once, I once almost got fired from a job because I refused to wear my name tag. I'm very anti name tag. Oh, you just don't, I don't believe in that. You don't. You hate name tags and you hate the things in your shirt, so you don't like. Being I don't identified. like. I don't like people like the idea that people need to know my name. 
for Have you seen like... the killer yet, Brian? No. The killer from David Fincher? No, I haven't seen that. I one. was going to say, you could easily blend in. This is all the things that the killer would do. He wouldn't want to wear a name tag. Well, no, it's not that. It's a, it's, it's a power dynamic thing. Because like, if I'm going to your student council volunteer situation or something, then it's good for everybody to be able to understand who everybody is. If I This is when I was working at, at, at the, the old record store, the warehouse. Or a lot of times if you're waiting tables, people want you to have a name tag or introduce yourself or whatever. And like, I always feel like you don't need me to, you don't need to know my name for me to tell you where the Beatles CDs are. Like, that's not, you don't need to know my name <laughs> to order more iced tea. Like, that's, right. that's not, you don't need to know that. Um, and so I was very anti name tag and I almost got fired from mm. my job because I wouldn't wear it. To which I said, okay. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> I said, yeah, if that's if you got to do it, I understand it's Lay policy. Down, You're sticking it to the man. Yeah, I mean, I was like, all right, if that's what you feel like you need to do, and they didn't fire me as hey, it Brian, out. I need you to get me a Rudy Tootie Fresh and Rudy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you don't need to know my name for that. Just you know, ra waiter, that'll do. You got my attention. <laughs> I'm watching Garcon. <laughs> I just, but you know what I'm talking about. Like when people, yours. when you go to the restaurant and like somebody. Brian, what do you think are the are, are the best special? Brian, what what would you do? And it's all like this power dynamic thing where you're like, you know, I don't I don't know, Dave. What are you what, what are you in the mood for? If they all wore name tags, right. it becomes equal. I would do that sometimes when I would when they say, "What's your name?" I'd say, "Brian, what's yours?" I was also not a very good waiter. Side note, I just don't feel like you need to know my name for that. All right, well, Clippers four big names. Yes, uh -huh. nice job. Uh -huh. That was professional. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Russell Westbrook joined by James Harden. There was the big four that they began as in the starting lineup that was catastrophic for the first five or six games of this era. They have since moved Russell Westbrook to the bench, reportedly uh, per Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report. He was the one who volunteered to do this. He actually brought this up to Ty Lue. Um, I believe they have since won two games. They're about to start a back-to-back -back in San Antonio. So that's not necessarily the next measuring stick for how well this team can actually do. But there is still, Brian, so much to manage with this team. Like the dynamic of just moving Westbrook to the bench beyond we've already seen that Russ doesn't like this, even if he volunteered. Russell Westbrook is likely the leader of this team. It's a weird dynamic when the leader of your team might end up having his role reduced the most. And when all of this is being done, you say what you want about Kawhi, about Paul George. Um, you know they don't stay healthy. They don't. They, these are these are professionals. James Harden is not a professional. No. And you're doing all of this stuff, all of this disruption, figuring out all of these things to accommodate the least professional of the four guys. Because you're trying to get him to sign long term, right, or, or at the very least, not ruin everything for this year. Like, I, I think they're going to, you know, may, I think they hope maybe, hey, you know, he's pretty good. He's not great. Like, you know, let's, can we do two years and not a max? Like, where's he going to go? And all these other, but like for the time being, they just want, we just got to get through this year, make it work this year. And you are doing all of this stuff for a guy. And look, Russ has got, there are issues around Russ, but it's not effort. And it's Russ not, is a pro. He's a pro. Russ is a pro. He's a pro who I think still thinks he's a little better than he is. But newsflash, so does James Harden. <laughs> the difference is Russ tries. And Russ isn't going to blow up your team at this point in his career in the way that James Harden does on a yearly basis now. There's just so much for Ty Lue, who, by the way, I believe he has the equivalent of a player option in his contract heading into this offseason. I think Ty Lue actually can walk after this year. I know there have been talk heading into this season about an extension, nothing was agreed upon. You are asking a lot of Ty Lue in this situation, depending on how he feels about this, you know, the idea of, okay, let's say we end up long-term doing this thing mm -hmm. with Harden and Kawhi and George, maybe Russ, maybe not. But either way, this is my future, managing this for the next several years. Ty Lu, if he was on the market, would get snatched up in a heartbeat. Like teams would fire their coach. Monty Williams to get Lou. is the second highest paid coach in the NBA. The Pistons have lost 600 games in a row. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ty Lu would be unemployed for roughly 10 seconds. 12 if he wanted to be. Like he has 
options if he wants them. And that's just one more complicating factor in all of this that is just going to be really fascinating to watch. Look, on paper, you can envision a way where it can work, just context-free talent. Sure, it could work. It, it is it is another version of the mistake the Lakers made acquiring Westbrook, where you can convince yourself that this – Okay, fine. It hasn't worked out in the last, you know, four years in these six cities, but I think we can make it work. For us, it will be different. Yeah, absolutely. Because we've got toilets. I don't know, but it's it, it was a bad idea. Speaking of um, making bad soldiers happy, the Warriors potentially have a decision involving one of the best soldiers they've had in a long time. Talk about that coming up next. Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Slee with 710 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Sliwa, 710 ESPN. Reminder, the Lakers play the Dallas Mavericks second end of a back-to-back. Unfortunately, they will not have Cam Reddish. He is going to be out tonight with the strained groin that he suffered during yesterday's win over the Utah Jazz Lakers throttling Utah they have the number one I believe they 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 have a home court advantage in the quarterfinals of group a and they're the number one seed they're killing it in this tournament pregame coverage begins at six o'clock the tip at 7 30 obviously you can have all of that including the post game right here on 710 ESPN the Warriors Brian after a strong start that in retrospect really looked a lot like Steph Curry carrying the team They've gone into a bit of spiral. They have not been playing nearly as well. Uh, clearly, they missed Draymond Green, mm-hmm. who should probably go choking fewer people. Um, <laughs> to be fair, though, he had wanted to do that to Rudy Gobert for a long well, time. In that sense, he's like all of us. <laughs> We've all wanted to choke Rudy Gobert. Man. Is there Still a player us. in the league that you get a sense is liked less or just despised as much as Rudy Gobert. No. Dylan Brooks? No, I think Dylan Brooks gets under people's skin, but I feel like there is a certain amount of respect, even begrudging that players have around the league for Dylan Brooks, that they just do not have for Rudy Gobert. Like, people on Dylan Brooks's team, at least he for He was really while, popular with the Grizzlies in their locker room until, like, the very end. Right. It seems like nobody ever likes being Rudy Gobert's teammate in addition to playing against him. But you still can't choke him, particularly when you're Draymond Green and, you know, you are on permanent notice. You know, your permanent record has just been piling up. But uh, Danny Chow over at The Ringer, really good uh, basketball coverage from Danny, brought up the idea of whether the Warriors should be kicking the tires on a trade for Zach Levine. Because there's a lot of reports that Zach Levine could be made available because the Bulls seemingly have finally decided that they should break up this thing that has not been working for a few years and actually do a rebuild. Mm -hmm. But it raises the question of like the politics and the dynamic that can come with trading somebody like Clay Thompson, who has been an absolute mainstay and a very popular teammate during this Warriors dynasty. It's like the inverse of what we were talking about before, all the politics that come with bringing in James Harden the potential politics that come with removing Clay Thompson. I think there's there are huge cultural things that go along with it, and there's also the practical that goes along with it. Like, if you could get something that would improve your team and make you better for Clay Thompson, 
you wouldn't need to trade Clay Thompson. It's the reason you're having this conversation is because there is a lot of conversation. He's on my fantasy team, so I'm watching him very closely. It's just a lot of conversation that Clay, after all the injuries, and he's you know he's in his 30s now, is just kind of not what he was. Um, and he's just you know he's a, a, a okay role player, but he's not a front line one or two or third best player on a really good team. Well, if that's the case, what are you going to get for him? That's going to improve your situation. Now, if you want to tank, okay, maybe you get a couple like second round picks or something. But in terms of finding things that are going to fix your problem, if you're the Warriors, you're not getting that for Clay because Clay's not playing well. Well, in theory, you could because, like Zach Levine, as an example, Zach Levine, if you think he is better than Clay Thompson or this version of mm-hmm. Clay Thompson, you might be able to get him for Clay Thompson because the Bulls are looking to get Just, off right. the long-term money of Zach Levine. And there could be other players around the league who are on in bad situations, longer-term deals. If their team wants to rebuild, you could maybe – Clay is an expiring, and this is another issue for the Warriors. You have to think about what's his future with the team. Are you going to give him Draymond Green money? Draymond got four years, $100 million. Uh, I believe you can't. You can't do last that. Year. Draymond. The difference between Draymond and Clay is that I mean, Clay was actually Clay had a pretty decent season last year. He took a long time for him to get it, there, it, though. Right, but you the, the expect, was not good in the playoffs either. The expectation I think was that it would it would take a while because he was coming off two years worth yeah. of injuries, and by the end of it, you know, he's still averaging about twenty points a game and hitting you know four and a half, three or four threes a game, and like was still looking, you know, not the defensive lockdown guy that Clay used to be, but a pretty good player. And the I think the expectation was a year with with more time, a full off season of, of being healthy and all this stuff, that he'd come into this year and be better than he was last year. And that obviously has not happened. So yeah, I mean I guess you're right. Like in the sense that you could take on somebody else's money. Then you know you got a chance, and Clay makes a lot. So I mean, like you could acquire another high-paid player, um, but it would have to be the kind of thing where, where uh, Chicago in this case just isn't getting less. I mean, I don't think Golden State has a ton of picks and other things that they can throw into something for a, a sweetener. Um, you know, they're, they're young players. I don't think would have a ton of appeal. Like maybe Kaminga. Um, I don't think their young players would have a ton of appeal to Chicago. Well, the idea would just be, again, you are getting Blowing out it up of to the... Start, right. right, you're getting out of the Levine contract because like, I could be wrong about this and uh, admittedly, I've never been a huge fan of Zach Levine's game in terms of it translating to really high-level winning, so I may not be the right guy to ask. I would be surprised if Zach Levine actually created any type of bidding war. Like a real... I'd be surprised. Like... I think he is seen around the league in a very similar way that Devin Booker was a few years ago, like a very empty calorie scorer, like somebody that he can give you buckets, but he doesn't give you a whole lot else, and some of his deficiencies really get in the way of winning at the highest level. Like Booker, to be clear, has totally turned that around. Like Devin Booker's not a two-way – he's a two-way player now. He's, he's a really good, complete player. But you really haven't seen that with Zach Levine. Like, he's not bad, but do you really want to go into business with Zach Levine, I think, to like, 2027? The, what, the thing about it is is you, you are doing anything you can to, ex, to extend the Steph window. Because if you're going to trade Clay for, you know, because you don't want to re-sign him, get some value, but, like, but you're not going to get anything back, you're, you're, make, I mean, you're making the team worse. And like, and you can't do that with Steph. Um, because Curry's still playing at such a high level. The first thing you do, actually, is you ask Steph, what do you think of this? Right. I mean, do you want to swap out Clay for Zach Levine? I bet Steph would say no. I'm guessing he'd say no. Um, And I don't know if that's out of loyalty to Clay or his opinion about Levine or both. But But also Clay's massive in the community. Clay is like... A real a fan favorite, even if he isn't performing the same way he was when he was at its height. But it would be I feel like it would be a hard thing for the fan base to swallow. If they dump him for pieces, if they dump him for spare parts, treat him badly on the way out, yes. If they dump him for they trade him as part of bringing in 
you know, a, a player legitimately puts them right back into title contention, then fans will get over it real quick. And then, you know, the Warriors, the press release is, you know, this glowing, effusive thing where they've been, they, you know, they do a, a 45 minute, you know, directors, you know, Jim Cameron style, <laughs> you know, thank you, Clay video series. And, you know, they, you just, you just do everything you can. But, but like, look, I mean, this is how it goes. But Clay's been I mean, too. In the fairness of the Warriors, Clay's been making had been making noise too about being a guy who wants a big contract and wants the Draymond deal and stuff like that, and hasn't played well enough to get it. He's kind of putting them in an awkward position by not being very good right now. It's just it's tough to predict vibes and like how the vibe because vibes matter when you are when you're talking about a team like Golden State that really has been a culture as much as anything else, or if nothing else, they believe in the idea that they have a culture in the same way that the Heat believes they have a culture, in the same way I think the Lakers believe they have a very specific culture. And Clay has undoubtedly been a part of this. Like, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison because the guy that I'm about to name has not been nearly as important to the Warriors like Clay has in terms of the Lakers. But we've heard from a lot of people, whether on Twitter, at Cam Brothers, or in the comment section of the Locked on Lakers YouTube channel, missing Dennis Schroeder. Like mm-hmm. the Lakers missing Dennis Schroeder's energy and just the type of style and the vibe that w- I think was really tangible and could be contagious from Schroeder. And to be clear, again, not apples to apples, A, in terms of the caliber of player, and B, unless Dennis Schroeder was willing to take like a few mil less than what Toronto gave him, the Lakers could not re-sign right. him because and of I, CBA constrictions. Right, and I don't. And the one part I don't know here is is how much interest the Lakers showed in bringing him back. Like, I don't know either. Did they try to get him to take the Gabe Vincent contract, and he took the Toronto money instead. I don't know. We don't know if that's the case. They probably did it wrong. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to think that they were I, interested. in I keeping don't him. know. Right. I don't know. I think maybe they assumed that he wasn't going to be gettable, um, but they did jump on the on the Vincent thing pretty quick. Right. Um, and I think that was before Schroeder signed in. Believe I Vincent, think the Lakers right. signed Vincent first. I think you're so right. So I don't know if they actively sort of chose to move on from Schroeder. Maybe they want you know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. Um, but I think your larger point is is true. It's like it's a lot of little things that go into winning, and sometimes you can't quite replicate. And we haven't seen it with Vincent. Like we don't know yet if Vincent can do some of the Schroedery things because he hadn't been able to play. But it's a lot of different little things that when you don't even think about, well, if you take that away, you wouldn't think it's a big deal. And it turns out it is. Like we were around the 2020 championship team a lot, you know, before the pandemic and we had to be separated from everyone. But the vibes on that team were impeccable. Mm-hmm. And guys like Jared Dudley or Troy Daniels, um, guys used to be Quinn Cook. Oh, right. Those guys really mattered a lot for those team vibes. Like I'm not, they were all to a certain degree, expendable mm-hmm. in terms of the team's overall success. Right. Troy Daniels literally got traded during the season. But those guys mattered in terms of creating a culture, in which you know, then you get into guys like Kuzma and KCP and Danny Green, like the guys who actually played a lot, JaVale, Dwight even. like They were all important for that team's culture. That stuff can add up. So if nothing else, it's something the Warriors yeah. have to think about, even though I, don't, I hate saying this because we love Michael, if they are hesitant about another long-term go-around with Clay, I can understand the hesitancy. I get it. I wouldn't, based on how he's playing now, I would not want to pay. I wouldn't want to be on the hook for ninety million dollars for Clay Thompson. I, I hate saying it, but I, I actually agree with you. Coming up next, play a little hot and cold. Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Sliwa, seven ten ESPN. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. Thank you, Chris. And I just, again, before I get into intercepting the spike, I want to give a quick shout out to John Ferris, who just tweeted at us. He's been really sick for the past couple of um, 39 days. So he said he was diagnosed with leukemia. Um, but after 39 days and nights in the chemo- in chemotherapy, he is going home today. So shouts out to John. Nice. John at John E. Ferris on Twitter if you want to give him a shout out because that's an amazing thing to do. So just wanted to say that we're all happy. We're all rooting for you and hoping that you continue on the mend. Best wish, um, John. Yes. But intercepting the spike, I'm going to – on Monday Night Football, Jalen Carter, who is on the Eagles, attempted to intercept the spike. And, Jorge, if you don't mind playing that sound for me, um, about – he was asked about where he got the idea from. Sorry, Jim, where did the, the idea come from for the, the diving of trying to get the interception? Oh, yeah, I've seen it on YouTube, and some high school kid attempted it, and he actually caught it, but I, you know, I attempted it, and I didn't catch it. Did anyone know that you were going to try that? Oh, no. Nah. <laughs> I just I knew they were spiking it, so I just attempted it. It's definitely a creative thing to do. You, you he just dies between the legs of the center to try to catch the spike. So, do you want to see someone do this? And do you think that offenses will adjust? I would love to see somebody do it. I think there is a zero percent chance that offenses are going to start <laughs> adjusting to this. Like, you need a bigger sample size of it actually working before teams start thinking about it. I do think it's something they're going to be aware of, though. Like, it never would have occurred to me to even try that like so now it's like it's like oh okay like kudos to that high school kid because that is some super enterprising thinking um right and so like i i feel like now that people are aware that it could be a thing similar to how i think defenses now pay much more attention to the fake spike somebody on the on the side yep. and goes deep play like now people are, in mm-hmm. the, are are watching out for that um, and so I don't think it'll ever work. Like but, Jose Alvarado. <laughs> right. Yeah. With the Pelicans. <laughs> right. Stealing all right. those inbounds. You just got to, I think people are aware of it. Mm-hmm. All right. So now it's time for Who's Cold? And now time for What's Cold? Lightning McQueen. Wait a minute. I love Lightning McQueen. Ka-chow. <laughs> well done. That was great. Well Ka-chow. done, Morales. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Stephen A. Smith decided to take live callers yesterday on his podcast. And so um, one caller called in to debate him about the merits of Lightning McQueen and if he's the real goat of racing. So, Jorge, please play the clip. Stephen A. Smith, uh, when you think about the goat of sports, you think about Mike with sticks, Brady with seven rings. But where do you rank a guy like Lightning McQueen with seven piston cups? Hmm. I would tell you he wouldn't be the GOAT. How are you going to be the GOAT? Because you talk about the movie Cars, right? You talk about the movie Cars, right? I mean, when you talk yes, about Stripper King Weathers and, and, and Lightning McQueen, they're both tied with seven piston cups. Strip Weathers. You've got about him? <laughs> How can you be that's the GOAT? You point. got somebody that's tied with that. you? You got somebody that's tied with you? Sorry, that ain't going to work. Well, I know you tried to catch me with that. You didn't think I knew that about that. You didn't think I knew about no, cars, hey, did you? Hey, when you think, you think about okay. when you, you, think you about slept McQueen, on a brother. Though, you slept on a brother. Piston cup. He's got 28 circuits. He's got 28 circuits under his Strip belt, too. There's Weathers multiple has seven piston cups. I am not about to sit here and argue with a grown-ass <laughs> man about the movie cars. Oh, come on now, Strip Weathers has seven piston cups. You should have yeah, brought me somebody that didn't have as many piston cups. old engine cars. It's amazing. They get into like it's, it's like comparing Jerry West to this day's NBA. It's great. Okay, let me just say off the top, Stephen A. Smith is at the top of the food chain when it comes to sports media on this planet. Like he, there's nobody I think more powerful than Stephen A. Smith. And I've worked with Stephen A. a few times. I found him a pleasure to work with. Great. So there are no accusations being thrown around. I think there is a non-zero percent chance that this live call was perhaps staged. (laughs) I think there is a decent chance that 
Some of the reasons Stephen A. had all of this car's knowledge right at the top of his head, right at his fingertips, is he had an idea that this call was coming. Let me also say, if this call was 100% staged, I do not care. That is perfection. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No notes. That is entertainment. That is brilliant entertainment right there. Kudos to Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Let me give the counter to that. So maybe it wasn't like before the podcast, like, hey, we're going to have someone call with the cars. But someone calls in. The producer screens it okay. like I do. And I say, hey, Emily in California wants to talk about Lightning McQueen is the goat of car racers. And so then he quickly might like Google or like make sure he has sure. the right facts before he goes and has this debate. So it could be he was slightly staged prepped. Yes. Better way to say it. Either way. I mean, look, we all know that when we sit down to watch Bravo um, and if yeah, I'm sure, you know, you got some pieces of paper in your memory jar about that. Um, you sit down and we're all, you know, watch it. Like we know that these things are a little bit engineered. Like at the, at the very least, the producers are taking these people and putting them into situations where they know there are going to be arguments and conflict. None of this is organic, and we watch it anyway. I mean, like some of the things when you like talk radio is is not one hundred percent unscripted. Like we have a meeting before we before the the show and we talk about what we're going to talk about and all these things we have an idea of where this thing is going this is the commentary was brilliant yes and it was a phenomenal parody of all the stuff that we talk about with rings culture and this and that anyway talking about what's his name strip something or whatever strip weathers yeah like that's phenomenal by the way and Stephen a is the face of that culture Yes. Nobody is more associated with that debate is anything culture. Because it's Stephen A. Yes. Poking himself, poking fun at himself and being incredibly self-aware. Yeah, he's in on the joke. That is amazing. Like whether yes. if he happened to know all that stuff about cars off the top of his head, I guess he's the ultimate Disney company man. Like if he happened mm -hmm. to know all of it, if it was manufactured to some degree, Don't either care. way, incredibly creative and clever. Hats off to Stephen A. That was brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, who's Hot and Who's Cold is brought to you by NextGen. NextGen, the official AC heat and plumbing company of SoCal sports fans, all of you out there. Call 8333-NEXTGEN, N-E-X-G-E-N, or visit N-E-X-G-E-N-AirAndPlumbing.com. So I wasn't here on the show on Monday, so I didn't get to do my college football corner. Um, so I'm going to do a little thing. I'm going to run some stuff by you right now and see how we feel about this. So uh, Florida State has moved out of the top four. So now Washington's at number four. So the college football playoff today would be Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State. No, it's a um, – double check that. But Washington is in and uh, Florida State's on the outside. Okay, so it would be – Here's a situation that could happen, okay? This is how it could happen at uh, after it's all said and done. The winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game is 13-0. Okay, that's something that could happen. Washington could be 13-0 and 12 champion. Florida State could be 13-0 and a ACC champion. Texas could be 12-1 and a Big 12 champion. Alabama could be 12 and one and Georgia could be 12 and one. And so in this situation, and I'm going to put it on the screen so you guys can follow along, but like, it's so interesting who might get that fourth spot because all these teams, again, if you're going to just go undefeated, you just take the, the three undefeateds and then you take whoever you think is the best one loss team, which would either be Alabama or Georgia because Alabama would have a one loss and that would only be to Texas. And it'll be earlier in the season and they won the SEC. But Florida State doesn't have a their starting quarterback. And so do you want to put a backup quarterback in the college football playoff just to get slaughtered when they get there? So I don't know. I, th I find it really interesting to see. Do we do we know if Florida State's backup quarterback sucks? Like, I mean, it is Florida we State. We don't know if they suck or not. Right. I mean, yeah, so we don't know if they I mean, suck or not. They, you would think Florida State could have a second quarterback that's pretty good. Pretty good, sure, but not as good as Jordan Travis, who got them. Because, like, Florida State is not going undefeated every single year in the ACC. So it's just we have no idea what they look like, you know? Make them make a play. So I don't know. <laughs> Go out there, play like, <laughs> play a, like a scrimmage. Yeah. I just but love I'm, the I'm, idea that in what is the last year of the Pac-12, as we know mm -hmm. it with any relevancy, there could be a chance that a Pac-12 team 
exits as a championship, which I think would be apropos for the entire mess that the Pac-12 has been <laughs> for like the last few years. It would be perfect for them to go out on top before they get completely dismantled and exploded. I mean, like, or they the could Pac-12. be perfectly Pac-12 and cannibalize themselves. Oregon beats Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, and then neither get in because then there's going to be an undefeated Florida State, and then they get Alabama. You're right. That's better. That. That's better scripting. We, we can all agree. <laughs> better symbolism. If this has been a, an outstanding USC and their you know incredible disappointment has it kind of mm-hmm. overshadowed the fact that the rest of the conference has been bananas good this year. Right, like Arizona. Again, it's suddenly, apropos for the entire Pac-12. Yeah. It's perfect. It's like Arizona. Like, the this would be a great time for them to try to go out. out and get a TV deal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, do you think that USC and UCLA regret that at all? Regret that they're going to move? No, that they kind of force everyone. No, to move to Emily. Wait till you see them cashing those checks. They regret <laughs> nothing. No, even if they get, they, even if they turn into like three win teams, they 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 do they're not terribly. Become three win teams. Yeah, UCLA might. Well, they, but they could have done that in the Pac-12. That's true. But they'll no, be right, good in basketball. No. Emily, to quote Mad Men, mm-hmm. that's what the money's for. Yeah. They're going to be just <laughs> fine. Thank you very much. Right. Okay. But if they're not going to – they might not be competing to win the Big Ten every year. So they're just going to be not there just because it's mo- – <laughs> no, not with that right now they're not competing, competing to win, to win the, the Pac-12, Pac-12. 12. right so <laughs> of course more they, yeah, fix, right. they have to fix their defense no matter what conference they're in they clearly Very can't true. get away within the Pac-12 I mean, this is I mean, the ultimate definition of failing seven, up right now they had seven wins the Pac-12 which you're not getting seven wins in the Big Ten with the defense that they have right now so yes of course they right, but they barely defense. got seven wins in the Pac-12 with that defense yeah or do they have seven Very wins in the Pac-12 or do they have seven wins Seven wins. Right. They Seven wins. They have they have wins against other teams outside of the Pac-12. But. Right. I mean, how many? Yeah. I mean, their, their conference record is five and four. Yes. Five and four. Yeah. They had seven wins total this season. Yeah, so they're barely cutting it in the Pac-12 right now, so you might as well go to the Big Ten and get right. more money. They're in the relegation <laughs> zone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's More it's money for your struggles. Lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting coming down to this like rivalry week this week, and you know, to see all the big games this weekend. Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, I agree with that. It'll involve you. I just think this this whole situation with the Pac-12 is like the Pac-12iest thing ever. Is to say how good the conference is. Get real quick before we go to the dump coming up next. Quick jar memory, Emily. We just make the. Dump I have to turn on the. the... Oh, we could do that. <laughs> just dump out the jar. Oh, that's yeah, a I'm great dumping idea. it out. Yeah. That's what uh, we're there's not do. that. Me- there's not enough. Uh, not enough okay. memories in your entire jar, Emily. <laughs> kind of boring. It's they're all incredibly. Did boring. we already use the best ones? <laughs> yes, and they were already boring. <laughs> Woke up today. <laughs> this is not scripted. Unlike the Stephen A. Smith thing, this is not scripted for me to have my Emily feverishly friends. digging through her memory jar to find something that makes her sound cool. We'll we'll do it with the dub. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's coming up next. The Dump, Kamenetsky Brothers in for Travis and Sliwa. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. So, Emily, uh, what's the verdict? Is there enough um, in your memory jar to do a full (laughs) memory jar dump? Uh, No. (laughs) There is maybe one more that I could read that's worthwhile and not uh super lame oh no it's still super lame <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay just find this... the lamest find the single lamest of the oh okay the that's gonna job. be even better to find one was i think this one is from february 21st and it was that um eric gave me a big hug and i don't know who eric is <laughs> oh you <laughs> anymore, don't remember who so... eric is no i don't remember eric so no, sorry eric we have Eric on line uh, one. <laughs> yeah, Eric on line one. Do you think Eric um, wrote down in his memory jar, I gave Emily a big hug today? 
Not sure. And this one is from also from February. It says that I saw Anna and Mimi when I wasn't expecting to. That's literally what I wrote down. Were they, like <laughs> under, were they under your bed? Did they pop out of a closet? <laughs> they just were not uh, in my class. And they, I guess they were that day. I say this with love. <laughs> February was, was a boring. really lame month for you. It was, was a really lame month. <laughs> I, I also feel like, like you wrote down these memories, but like didn't really have really that much detail. No context. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't well, no context you know to what, why. At that age, you expect yeah. to remember Eric forever. And of like course. the context of the hug forever. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that's my trip down my lame memory lane and how lame I was. <laughs> hey, Jorge, school. do we have someone calling right now? Nope, nope. Okay, it was I'm Eric. wrong. It was Eric. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eric hung up. All right, what do you have for actual uh, dump material then? Uh, right, so... <laughs> <The memory jar> uh, <laughs> doesn't... <laughs> on this day in 2012 was the infamous butt fumble. So Mark, Ch- Mark Sanchez uh, fumbled uh, when he ran into uh, his own player, uh, own player's butt, and it was returned for a touchdown um, for the Patriots. So, Jorge, do you have that sound? Well, years ago, we talked to Tom Moore, then at Indianapolis, the offensive coordinator. You got a busted play here, and then oh, no. ends. Sanchez gets hit. The ball is loose, and it's alive. I have never seen this before in my life. Watch this. Vince Wilfork is going to throw Brandon Moore back into his quarterback. He's going to fumble the football. This is what Reggie White used to do to people, forklift them and just lift them off the ground. Mark Sanchez not expecting it, and it was the backside of Brandon Moore that knocked the ball out. Uh, Yeah, so is this the most embarrassing thing that could possibly happen to a quarterback? (laughs) Go ahead. No. And because especially, too, like at the time, this was like unusual. This was like a different kind of deal. Um, It is... I, I think it's become like almost more embarrassing now. It's like it, the the it is like the butt fumble is now an avatar for like everything. It's like the it is the it is the whatever like the bar that you either clear or don't clear for embarrassing horrible moments in sport. Was what you just did worse than the butt fumble or not as bad as the butt fumble? And part of the problem I think for Sanchez is butt fumble is the least dignified way really anything is. could be described. Because in all honesty, you see worse plays happening during a game all the time. Like when the quarterback drops back and tries to throw and the ball just falls out of his right. hand. That happens all or the Zach time. Or Wilson, Zach Wilson tripping over his own feet when the game isn't even playing. He was right. just going back to the spot. It's just, um, there was also a butt punt last year. Yeah. Butt fumble sounds so incredible. <laughs> it's not even really anything. Like, Sanchez didn't really do anything wrong there other than, I guess, you know, hold, hold the ball tighter or whatever. It's not like he tried to, like... <laughs> he just ran into his booty. It's not like he tried to bounce it <laughs> off the guy's butt. No, it's the name. Like, the name butt fumble just... It just brings you down to the ground. Right. In terms of just awfulness no dignity and it's the whatsoever. jets it's sanchez if it knocked over like it'd been bad like by the guy's elbow like we wouldn't talk about it. nobody would talk about the elbow for right yeah you know, or if sanchez had been on the panthers like a team nobody cares right about. and you know what it is too it is on thanksgiving yeah. it was with um uh, chris collins super high profile and butts yeah. are funny yes that's part of it too <laughs> But, but they're not a dignified body party. No, that's why they're funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, also on this day in 1995, I believe, I might have that. Oh, no, 1996, Toy Story was released. Um, and do you think that, is that the best um, like animated movie? Do you guys think? I don't know if it's the best, mm, but it is really arguably the most groundbreaking of like the last 50 mm-hmm. years. Like, I think in terms of what Toy Story launched, both for Pixar, but in the way animated films have gotten approached since, I think you can Mm -hmm. argue Toy Story was the most influential and groundbreaking animated film of, like, the last 50 years. Hmm. Yeah, because, like, there are certain movies you could say, like, was Inside Out a more ambitious piece of storytelling than Toy Story? Maybe you can make that argument. I think it's a like Beauty and the Beast movie. was fantastic for its but time. But like, does Inside Out happen without Toy Story? No. Right there, you go. I also think that my favorite movie of the trilogy is uh, Toy Story Two because I love the introduction. Because I have this theory about all trilogies 
is it oh i know there was more than three toy stories but i like to only think about the one two and three but in all trilogies the second movie is almost always the best because the first movie is always about world building and learning about this new place the second is always about world expansion and you oftentimes get left on a cliffhanger and you kind of your your view of the world changes and the third is always a letdown because it's never as good well, as I think you Toy think Story that, Three that is good end. though. Three is good, four is great. It's fine. Two is the best. Four is really good. Emily yeah. said is two is really... the best, Brian. Two is the best. <laughs> Are you familiar with how Emily operates? Forky, uh, Forky's great. On this day in 1995, Casino was released. Do you guys big Casino fans? Yeah. I, I like Casino. I don't love it. But I'll tell you, the first hour where it just breaks down how things work in a casino mm -hmm. is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And De Niro's suits throughout Casino are amazing. Another example of the difference between, like, cool criminals and whatever. Because, like, you know, you see him walking around the casino. Like, casino crime is cool. Yes, it is. Like Ocean's Eleven. That's that's criminal activity. They are robbing a casino. They're the best kind they're the best type of criminals though, because it is pretty much harmless criminality. That's why art thief You're is, robbing yeah. the rich. Right. That's yeah. that's why being and an art in thief this case, is, is okay. They're robbing Andy Garcia who's a jerk. He's a, right. He's a bad <laughs> dude. But it's they're not robbing as her. you were lobbying for murder and no, violent. No, I was, I was not I was not <laughs> lobbying for it. You I was just said, calling it cool. Well, no, I said unfortunately a lot of violent criminality in a certain context, particularly when it involves like like groups, like we talked about Sons of Anarchy, like a club together doing violent, awful things. That's right. They did look kind of cool, Indiv if we're being honest. Individuals <laughs> killing people, Andy says is bad. <laughs> Groups of people, that's cool. Oh, my god! Hard stance to defend, but I, I guess that's I saw we're here the next, The next Oceans should take place during F1 in Vegas because I feel like that's so oh, much. that's a that's great so idea. For, like, a good distraction idea. and for dumb, stupid people and dumb people with money being in Vegas. That's but a good idea. Really what it amounts to is it's, it's criminality where you're where it feels like there aren't cons when you steal from from a casino it feels like there's no there are no victims when you steal mm -hmm. art it feels like there are no victims and so like you have to pick victimless stuff that is just where minute. you get to dress well <laughs> if, you if you're listening kids art, there are no victims how why do you think that because who's going to see that <laughs> it's like no art if you thieves, walk into the getty museum where they have like a billion dollars worth of art uh -huh. and take a painting off the wall, that's a victimless crime if, to you? Do you know what's going to happen the minute when they do that? That is a victimless crime. No, it's, who's, who's the victim? Get the Getty. Right, but they're not and actually being, who is the they're not being art. injured. Right. What is they're happening? heavily insured. Like the Getty, you know the Getty is going to be okay. And also, too, like this, and they, they actually made this joke in The Freshman, the movie The Freshman with Marlon Brando. Oh, like yeah. if you took the painting off the wall and just threw up a really good copy, yeah. no well, one knows. It's like that yeah, scene no, in, true. in American yeah. Hustle. When um, when they they look at the fake Mona Lisa, you, you two yeah, idiots remind me of the guys in the movie Office Space, who were just taking pennies at a time, so it was really no big deal, until they acclaimed like ten million dollars. <laughs> yeah, I got and on then the, burn the place down. I got on the wrong end of one of those when I was running the theaters at USC. Um, the guy was siphoning off i don't know like 20 bucks a night 40 bucks a night how'd you catch him uh well we balanced the books at the end of the year and said where the hell is this thirty thousand dollars and we finally nailed it we checked right. the cash and register you are and... not rich enough to be somebody who qualifies as a victimless no crime. no who was the victim steve me Mason. i don't I know but victim. in that scenario brian it's it's like the victim, you would say the that? The victim is okay, how about this? the Getty. How about this? The victim is the is Bellagio. Paul Getty. Right. No, like, who is that? I don't know who that one. is. Here's a better one. Mason's running the movie theaters right. at USC. I somehow get a key to the back door right. and consistently go in and watch movies. Now, the movies are going to run anyway, mm -hmm. whether I'm in there or not. But I defrauded Mason, or to you, is that no, a victimless you crime? you actually defrauded the studio. Okay, but is that a victimless and, and crime? Me. Uh, Mostly the studio. I yeah, mean, it is victim. It's a petty. It's so a you're petty encouraging people to sneak no, into I'm movies. No, I'm not. But we used, <laughs> to, have, also, but it's we also used not. to have people that would like uh, put a brick there and leave the door <laughs> slightly open, and they would come and go as they. Right, but that's, let that's me tell petty one, crime let me that tell isn't one more. cool. Let me tell one more. Right. This, tell okay. me if this is victimless. Okay. So I walk in uh, one night to the theaters in Hawthorne, and uh, I walk to the theater that's showing Waiting to Exhale. 
uh, which was really, really big right there. Whitney Houston was in that movie, yeah, right? Was. Yeah, So I walk in, and here's a guy with a tripod set up. <laughs> oh, it's Seinfeld. And he's yeah. shooting, he's shooting the movie. <laughs> and then he's passing out slips to people. Write down your name and address. Give me X amount of money, and I will send you a copy of this when it's done. Mm-hmm. Now, I believe that is... First of all, ingeniously evil, uh, but <laughs> that is not bond. a victimless. Crime. I agree. Yeah, we we've who's been told. The vi- who's the victim? The studio. Have you been to the Getty, by the way? Never. The people who made the. And it's the right art. next to Mountain. It, let me tell you. Have you you guys have been yeah. to the Getty, right? I think it's so overrated. I mean, it's beautiful and all that stuff, but they don't have any like art. It's not like you're going to walk in and As see an a bunch of really gallery, great paintings. If you're going there for the art first, you're likely going to be disappointed. Because it's like, they call it antiquities. It's like, here's a bowl from the Middle Ages. <laughs> I don't effing care. No, you're there for the experience. You ride up on that tram. The tram is there's cool. The, there's the background. It's the really pretty. The views are amazing. But like, if you want the art first, go to LACMA, go to MoCo. Yeah, yeah, go exactly. to the, these places downtown. How about a little super crosstalk? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Hey, let me ask you guys something. So I'm watching on ESPN right now is the Maui Invitational, um, which I should be paying closer attention to because UCLA is in it. But I've just been watching, you know, games every once in a while. Can does this mean that Maui is back to somewhat normal? I don't know the answer to that. Like, huh. um, I assume that they had to have hotels to well, stay that, in. And there's that one part of Maui that was it Lahaina. Lahaina. This is right. I've been to this Stan Sheriff Center. This is near Lahaina. It is. Yeah. They were trying to get people to keep their vacations. Yes. Like two weeks after the now, fire. Right. They, Let me correct myself. What this could be. I'm pretty it sure. Says Hawaii. Is it possible that the the Stan Sheriff Center is the one that's at the University of? Yeah, that's in. I was just going to oh, say it's in Honolulu. Yeah, that's in Honolulu, and they're just calling it the Maui so Invitational. So it's Maui ADJ. Yeah, that's what they did. Because yeah. I've I've done a game there. That's oh it. yeah. Yeah, that's where the Lakers used to go until the Clippers stole it. Um, By the way, you could have said, is it possible the Stan Sheriff Center is in Hungary? I would, have, I would said have said yes. Yes, it's possible. <laughs> that was Absolutely outside possible. of Budapest. It was in that building, famous Laker moment in that building. Mm. Shaq came down, dunked, ran by Jerry oh, Buss, no. and paying? said, pay me. Wow. And Jerry Buss then traded him. There yes. should be a plaque there or something. Yeah, the pay me plaque. Like a commemorative. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. It's Emily. It's not in Maui. It just says it's the Maui Invitational, right? Yeah, it's in Honolulu. Got gotcha. in Honolulu. Okay, so that explains. Uh, uh, Emily, do you have any more uh, memories in your memory <laughs> jar? Because uh, some of these, you had dinner uh, with uh, yeah, Patty and I, Mimi and well, Catherine yeah. Ann. The best and, one was. All right, so I came in late. <laughs> uh, I saw Sarah, and I didn't expect to. Emily, explain <laughs> yep. the memory jar. What is the purpose of it? Um, memory jar. I guess when I was in high school, I was like, I, ha- I had an idea for somebody. Somebody told me this, that you're going to forget things in the future, so write down a memory each day and put it in the jar. And so I did not fill more. this up. <laughs> yes. So, so How long did you participate in this exercise? Honestly, I think there's only like 30 in there. So, I, so I gave a month you gave up after a month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, but but you don't have boring. enough in there to mem- – like. You don't remember yeah. exactly what happened when Mimi and Mary Pat <laughs> Alice and Catherine I do Johnson came over. <laughs> I do a bit, but I'm not going to, you know, air everything out on the radio, guys. Sarah Catherine yeah. does not want her dirty laundry aired out on well, L.A. radio. Some people yeah. say it's very uh, helpful. I've never been one of them to keep a journal. I think it would be great to keep a journal. I, I It's one of those things that I think, all right, I would love to know what I was doing and how I was feeling when I was 31 yeah. on any particular day, there right? Are, there are certain people, uh, the only person I know that has this skill, but there are uh, there's maybe a thousand people on earth that can do it, um, can tell you what they were doing on any day they've been alive. Mary Lou Henner, the actress, mm, is yes. the one yeah. that can do it. And the way I discovered this was, and Jorge, see if you can find this. Bob Costas used to have a talk show called Later. Yeah. It came on, I think it was NBC had Carson, Letterman, and then Costas. And and Later was like the half-hour interview show at the very end. And he's interviewing Mary Lou Henner, and someone has tipped Costas as to that she has this skill. And he goes, he said, I'm told you can tell me what you were doing any day 
after the age of five, mm-hmm. like that you can tell me exactly what you were doing on that day. She goes, I can. He goes, I find this hard to believe. She, he, she says, give me a date. And he picks the date that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. Okay. And she looks at him and goes, you, someone put you up to this. He goes, no, it's just, it's the day Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. What were you doing? She goes, I swear I'm not making this up, and this is why I think someone put you up to this. That's the night I lost my virginity. Wow. <laughs> and he just happened to pick, pick. that day. Wow. That's, wow. And, uh, and, but I, that would be an amazing thing to possess. Like, they say, he's, I, Sean McVay might be coming on today, but they say you can ask Sean McVay any play from any game where he's been the mm-hmm. head coach, and he can tell you what it is. Yep. So, so, for example... Coach, your first year coaching the Rams, you guys were playing in the Coliseum uh, against the Seahawks on September 17th, second and six, third quarter, seven minutes left. Yeah, we ran a bubble screen that I shouldn't have run. You know, it was a, it was a bad play. And you look down, it's like bubble screen. I, I, I mean, I remember a lot of stuff. I, yeah. I don't have that. LeBron is today. a lot like yeah, that. LeBron and Kobe is. was a lot like that. Yeah. Um, my, uh, my Aunt Mary kept a journal. She kept journals, right? And she, it was a di- like a, an official diary. So when she died, I was like, I want to get these diaries. I want to see what's going on in Aunt Mary's life. So I'm, I'm reading this. And is this the one that ran numbers for the mob? No, that's Aunt Madge. Okay. Uh, this is Aunt Mary. <laughs> so Aunt Mary would write down, and she wrote down really detailed things. Like you could read why she married Uncle Al. It was because he was parked outside of her house all the time. Which I thought Wait was super creepy. Not only creepy, but some would call stalking. Oh, no. It, I believe by today's standards, so it probably Al was. Al essentially wore her down? Al was such an a-hole. Yeah, he, he wore her down. <laughs> he wore her down. Uh, but she, or, the entries got shorter and Can't shorter as they Al went along. a-hole or something uh, like that. The, sh- the entries got shorter and shorter as they went along. So I go to the final journal, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens. This is She's writing about what happened in the last year. The last entry is... Ate green beans and farted. <laughs> that like, was in the journal. That was the journal. Okay. That was her entry. I have a friend speaking. You know, she married the guy that parked outside the house. I have. I have a friend. Shout out to my friend Jordan, who is now married, with four boys. Um, and I. So Lisa and I are out with him and his wife. His wife's name's Kim, and uh, we were telling stories about how we met, like how you got together, and, and and so Jordan said, "Well, we went out on a couple of dates, but she was dating another guy." Right. And uh, so I was curious what the relationship was and who this guy was. So uh, I went over to her house and hid under her bed. Really? And she came back from a date with this guy. Oh, my God. This and, is like... Wait, and, you did this? No, no my friend Jordan, Jordan did it. Okay. And I went, she knew you did this? He goes, no, 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 not until way later. I didn't tell her for years. But he waited under her bed. The guy came home. She said goodnight to him. And I snuck out and went home. And I went, I'm... If you would have told me that even years later, I would never be able to trust you. Yeah, no, I mean that's I, but scary. It, but it, it, uh, that he was under the bed the entire time, right? And and that like, well, the guy parked outside your right, aunt's exactly. house, right? Exactly. Like Uncle like, Al. I mean, at least How he didn't break see, and enter. Yeah, like, Uncle Al was like bordering on stalking. My friend Jordan was bordering on stalking. And in your these, friend Jordan was not bordering on stalking. Yeah. He reached stalking. Yeah, I no, never if asked you're him, under somebody's bed. That's I never stalking. asked him how he got in. I guess he knew where the spare key was or something. B&E is what yeah. they call it. Don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer. Hey, Very good way, point. Emily, yeah. you, you'll be happy to know this. I brought my memory jar with me. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so you want me to pull one out? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, Thanks. all right, here we go. Um, got home from the show, got stoned. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's but the problem is, that can be any. Oh, by, Jorge, by the way, memory, memory, memory number two? Jorge, yeah, same. Jorge found the Mary Lou Henner clip. Let's see if it, if it Not was the same what story. I remember. Here it is. Where were you when the men walked on the moon? Which was oh, what? June, was it June or July of 69? Who told you this? No, I, I just picked that at random. I swear to God, I just picked it at random. Come on. Somebody told you. This. I swear to God, I picked it at random. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't tell. Okay. I was in Chicago. I was in... <laughs> oh, well, there's a shocking story right there. I didn't mean to pry that out of you, Mary Lou. I was, I was in high school, and it was um, July the 20th. Mm-hmm. Of, it was a Sunday night. Did was someone it? tell you that? No, I, I promise you they didn't. I'd be honest That's with you. That's the night I lost my virginity. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
But one thing we know for sure, Neil Armstrong wasn't the culprit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great, great line. line. That's a great, great line. line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no memory jar. Do you, have a, do you keep a memory jar? I do not any? have a memory no. jar. No, I don't. Yeah. Uh, Brian, I don't, you don't strike me as a memory jar kind of guy. I, no. You know who I, keeps I a memory jars. jar? Producer Brian. <laughs> Look at him. That's He's a memory jar guy for sure. For sure. And where are you? You're in uh, Virginia? Yeah, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, you having uh, Thanksgiving dinner with the whole uh, family? Just a portion of the family. Uh, two of the three of my sisters and then one of my dad's brothers and then my grandpa. Okay. Good. Now, which which yeah. is the one that you're looking to avoid? All of them. That's the <laughs> wow. It's a good chunk of them. I saw the I, room you're in. It looks like, a, like a, a, an elementary school classroom. All those little books <laughs> and much. stuff on the shelf there. Yeah, I got a, I got a lot of it's trash and trophies is what I like to call nice. it. Uh, nice, nice. Ferris Bueller poster there tucked in the back. Yeah, very yeah, nice. leisure rules. Um, yeah, no, it's a, it's my old childhood bedroom. So yeah, that's fun. cool. That's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Brian, I, I I know what you're doing, Andy. Uh, it, I know Andy's Thanksgiving plans. What are yours, Brian? He's going, going to, to Andy. Oh, okay. I forgot. Yeah. So you're going there. Uh huh. And do they do a good job cooking? Well, we sort of split it Who up. Who does Anna do the cooking uh, or no, does we Andy? Both do it. Right. Everybody sort of we, pitches we, in. We we split up the menu. Yep. And then bring bring stuff over. You know, I'm the cleanup guy. So when it's all over, I'm the guy that clears the plate, scrapes them all off, puts them in the dishwasher. That, that's my job. By the way, we were talking before about criminal criminality that also doubles his coolness. Mm-hmm. Cleanup guy. It's a cool clean role. Cleanup guy, yeah. I'm like Harvey Keitel. <laughs> clean <laughs> come in and clean like it the, all up. After, you're the wolf of after the Thanksgiving. The exactly, exactly. <laughs> come over at the end. All right, Super Cross Talk brought to you by In-N-Out Burger. In-N-Out, that's what a hamburger's all about. Mason Ireland coming up next. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Kamenetsky Brothers, 710 ESPN.